When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. It's finals week, folks, so Mason will not be joining us. There's a chance that he might not join us the next episode, but school is super important, and if he needs to take some time off, so be it. You know, that just means that Benders is driving the bus, which can be, I'm sure, very nerve-wracking. Nerve-wracking to me, I'm sure it's as ignorant as it is for y'all. But uh, I was able to lock in a guest. Uh, He hasn't been on in about two months, roughly, so uh, I figured this was a great time to bring Michael back on of We the North. Michael, how are you, bud? Doing well, man. Just came back from a work shift, a little exhausted. Got exams myself, but, you know, I'm coping with it, dealing with it. You know, you, you got to do what you got to do, right? Absolutely. Is this your first year in college or your second? No, it's my third. I'm 19. Third. Okay, uh, perfect. Yeah. Basically, so, so... in Montreal, you have like this thing called siege. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you've, you've heard all about it uh it's basically like in between high school and uh university yeah and i'm in my third year of uh Cija. it's nice, basically nice. like uh it's basically like um how do you call it like 15th grade okay yeah yeah. i yeah. kind of did the same thing i went to what it's kind of considered down here like a community college oh uh, yeah yeah which is like an easy way for you to like it's cheaper than going to college straight up so you can get your prerequisites done in a community college oh, and yeah. then go to university just for your major so i ended up yeah. doing that i spent way too much time there but um yeah, yeah i can see like you, you probably balance your yeah. your schedule a little bit better now you've done it for three years mason sure. on the other hand this is his first set of finals and i'm sure he's like a nervous fucking wreck right now so nah, he's got this man he's i know guy. i know he does but i just i know it's the first year i was scared shitless and i know he's probably dealing with the same thing oh i feel him honestly it's tough <clears throat> it's tough for sure but man's a smart guy i mean he's taking all these episodes off he's working his ass off you know i'm pretty oh yeah got, I, I haven't got nothing but confidence in him yeah uh, absolutely but yeah, so in the two months that, you know, since the last time you were on, on the podcast, uh, mm-hmm. his team really hasn't gotten any better. <laughs> Actually, I think the last time I was on I was on the podcast was uh, the home opener. No, not the home opener. The season opener against Toronto. Mm. It was yeah. right before that game. So we were like, oh, oh, and oh, which is technically our best record this season. <laughs> unfortunately yeah uh, a lot of hopes and it's you know two months in and it's 
it's been tough watching some of these games, though. But I mean, a lot of yep. it comes with. Uh, I mean, we have been struck with injuries this season. We have, we have been struck with injuries. I think, though, um, I think it's important to look at context, though, because if you look at them in a vacuum, then we're missing half our roster, pretty much, mm-hmm. right? But like half the guys, even like seventy percent of the guys that are out right now, played with the team while they were awful, and I think that needs to be taken into account, like. A guy like Josh Anderson, Brendan Gallagher, uh, all those guys were playing, and we were still like Bad. one of the worst teams in the league, right? And that needs to be that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no doubt. I mean, even even from last night's Tampa Bay game, getting a little ahead of us, but uh, yeah. Now there's their talk. Uh, they had Dvorak's going to be out. He's not playing. Yeah. Uh, against Chicago, he's going to go do an MRI. Hopefully, it's nothing too serious, but. We've pulled yep. up uh, Jesse Yolonen. So, I mean, we're basically yep. just playing like Laval. Like all the young kids who who, <laughs> who have a chance get to shine right now. And just unfortunately, it's a... The thing with that is, is like they're playing, but are they really getting that much shine? I mean, Ducharme's playing these guys 10 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. Good point. Like eight, 10 minutes a night. And that's not... Especially when you're when half your roster is injured and you're like second last in the league. I mean, you might as well play your young guys, right? Like, this is a development here for Montreal right now. That's what it should be. And I think Ducharme is, to me, I, I, like, I maybe maybe I sound crazy, but it, it, is he trying to lose his job? Like, because right now he's doing the, the best he freaking can. Yeah, and uh, me personally, I don't think any of the young guys are going to get a shot. Like, I'm so... We talk, we've talked about it for like two episodes now. I'm so surprised at, at Romanov, not that I didn't expect this from him, yeah. but the fact that he's actually getting time now. So he's had a chance yeah. to develop, show that he's capable of doing it, and he's actually getting some of the time to do it. Um, I've really liked Romanov this season. I've, I can't even lie. He's been great. One of the very few bright spots on this team. Mm-hmm. Like I, After last season, uh, I wasn't really encouraged by it because he – he was really, and I mean, really inconsistent. And in times yeah. where he looked yeah. good, he looked good, but he didn't look like wow materially, right? Like, but this mm-hmm. season he's managed to like put it all together, be that consistent defender we've we expected out of Moscow. And you know, I think from here on out, you know, you, I think we should give him some more power play time first of all. Yes, but we, we mentioned that uh, last episode. Yeah, because I like I don't know why you're playing Ben fucking Sherat on the power play, mm-hmm. but not Romanov, who. Like I, I guess you know you're trying to raise Sherrod's value, and that's that's fine. But you're already playing the guy 25 minutes a night, damn near. You know, so what are you doing? You're not really hurting anything. The, the yeah, power no play isn't successful, so yeah, like no <laughs> contender is gonna they're gonna put him on the power play, and the contender will trade for him. It's not gonna be like some pretender, yeah. or like some lottery team. No, I think you're absolutely right, and and my my point, my counter to that was to be that Sherrod's value. You know, if if there's still the the whispers of like a first overall to move Sherratt. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to see him on the power play, but it's at the same time, it's mm-hmm. stunting a little bit of more progress for Romanov. And, and uh, on- yeah, th- that's, I was going to bring that up. Like, it's not just Romanov, you know, you have Caulfield too, who mm-hmm. I think, like, I think a lot of his struggles are due, like, a lot, look, a few of them are due to him. You have to blame the player at some point, but at the same time, like, how is he supposed to, like, gain confidence when? Even after a good game, he's demoted to the third line. Like in a Nashville game, he was playing on the second line with Gavorak uh, <clears throat> and Tofoli. And next game, he's playing with uh, with Perot and Palin. 
like, and I've liked Palin so far, but that's the motion. It is. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to get back to Palin in a little bit. I got a question about him, but uh, yep. no, Caulfield is like maxing out like 10 minutes to 13 minutes a night. Um, yeah. He's the most jumbled player since Kakeniemi at this point. And yeah, same type of situation. How can he, how can he get any type of momentum or, you know, yep. gain the, you know, um, confidence that he needs to, to get back. Cause he's a very, when he shines, it's, it's, it's because I feel like he's got a bit of an ego, you know, he's got like this confidence. It's not a bad he ego. Is. It's a sportsman's ego. You know, he just yeah, wants to excel. And he should, he's, he's scored like a madman at every level he, he's, he's been in. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and last year in the playoffs, we all saw what he did. We all saw what he was, what he was capable of, yep. but, and Dusharm was playing him the right way last playoffs. Like he was playing 16, 17 minutes a night as he should have. Mm-hmm. And this team got to the finals because of contributions like, you know, because of players like him. And one thing I'm going to say is that I am completely fine with tanking, but I'm not <laughs> fine. But look, tanking to me, what, what's what, what's the use of tanking? It's to, it's to gain the, you know, the best it's overall to, player we can get. Yeah, it's to improve your future, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here you have your future on the team right now. You have you have a big part of your future on the team. Caulfield, Romanov, even Norlander. Okay, we're gonna get to that. Mm-hmm. But um, what like you want to lose, but you want to lose with your young players leading, not the not the not the veterans. And yeah. I understand playing Sherrod and Sherrod, you know, keep him on the top pair for all I care, right? Like raise his value, you know, like sure. But you have guys like um like Tyler Toffoli, for example. I mean, uh, Josh Anderson, both have had really mediocre seasons to me. Ja- Josh Anderson's out right now. But why are you playing Jake Evans ahead of Cole Caulfield? Yeah. On, on the wing, it's not even his natural position. So there's that. Why are you playing Norlander, like, as a seventh defenseman, like eight minutes a night, ten minutes a night, when, and you're not even using him on the power play where he would excel and be better than literally any of our defensemen right now on the team? And why, why is Romanov not playing on the power play or in overtime last against Nashville? He didn't play a second a second of overtime. Yeah, it's a uh, a lot of great questions, but um, the Romanov thing's a bit of a blunder. Uh, he's been playing just lights mm-hmm. out lately, um, playing great blocking hockey. shots, yep. hits, just just all over the place. Great start passes, but um, yeah, I really just think you know, like you kind of said it earlier, it's just just the charm is playing. He's coaching like. He wants to get fired, but almost as you know, they've they've almost just about gave it away yeah. that he's not being moved this season. It's as if and, you know he's getting fired at the end of at the end of the season, which I think is is like a formality at this point. I don't think there's yeah. a single uh, you cleaned house, which is the next topic, but you've cleaned yeah. house. Uh I don't see a, a you know a president or a GM wanting to keep someone from the old way. Thinking, yeah. especially if it's been so terrible compared to the previous season, yeah, but, um, it's been brutal. Yeah, it's been tough. So, but uh, but to move on to that though, since we've talked, we've also seen Mark Bergevin and uh, finally Trevor Timmons uh, yeah. gets let go of from the team. And obviously, I pretty much know your thoughts on that. But we were able to bring in someone like Jeff Gordon, who is yeah. really you know, has promised a lot, you know, something that would be, you know, a futuristic outlook for this team, but more or less something most teams have been doing for a while now, which is like bringing in analytic 
an analytical, you yeah. know, thought process into this team. Um, what's your what's your thoughts on Jeff Gordon? Okay, well, my thoughts on Jeff Gordon are this. Uh, I am very – I'm optimistic about the hire. I think, uh, you know, the Habs have finally stepped into the 21st century mindset when it comes mm-hmm. to hockey, which is obviously very encouraging. I, I like the hiring for the simple fact that he's that he's conducted a rebuild. And we haven't had a GM willing to do that in well never. When's the last time when's when's the last time a Montreal GM rebuilt? Oh. It's, it's been a hell of a long time. And so all, all I'm gonna say is that having a GM or like not a GM in this case, like a vice president or mm-hmm. a second GM, if you will, uh, who has that mindset who would be willing to rebuild. He rebuilt with a with an okay Rangers team. This is a brutal Habs team. And I think uh, just knowing that that he'd be willing to do that is obviously very encouraging because I think that's what this team needs right now. But also beyond that, you look at his track record. He's made uh, obviously, yeah, he's gotten lucky at uh, the at the draft lottery. You know, getting the second and and first overall picks, drafting Kako and Lafreniere. Uh, but also, you know, he signed Panarin. Obviously, he wanted to come to New York, but, you know, he got him. Uh, he tr- he chose to trade for Adam Fox, even though he knows he could have gotten him in uh, free agency. Like, uh, you know, just just to not take any chances. Yeah, it, to solidify it. it, it it's happening. freaking paying off because Adam Fox is <laughs> unreal. A, <laughs> a lock for a top five. Def- I have him top three uh, as a defenseman in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he traded... Derek Brassard for Mika Zibanejad in the second round pick, which is highway robbery, as we all know. <laughs> like Derek Brassard, is he even a league right now? I don't think. Uh, maybe. Uh, I could check fantasy. <laughs> I haven't like heard that name in a while. Like, I don't like, but Mika Zibanejad is arguably a first line center in the league right now. Like, he had the highest goals per game rate just two seasons ago in the league. And he's still like a star. Like if not, like he's he's a lock for thirty goals, 30, 35, 70 points, and you got him. And he's also a lot younger than Bersard. So I don't know. That's one of the best mm-hmm. trades that not only in Rangers history, but like really modern in the league yeah. in the NHL. Like that is a hell of a move. Yeah, uh, that's not a lot. That's that's like a couple of things that really excited me about him. Um, yeah, I love that. You know, his first press conference, he said he's not afraid to to do a rebuild and whether that's just, uh, you know, the way that, you know, like our coaches and stuff like that or team, yeah. you know, and it it's going to suck. You know, I brought it up like two podcasts ago that uh, we're going to lose a lot of key members or, or fan favorites, you know, uh, guys that have been around for a little bit. But yeah. it's all for the sake of turning this team back into something worth watching. Absolutely. And uh, I love a guy <laughs> – I love a vice president or, you know, second GM that isn't afraid to admit that. And, you know, it, it almost feels like you kind of mentioned it, that the Canadians have never really said that they were going to rebuild. It's always been just picking up pieces, gluing them in, trying to fix something, make it yeah. work while you're here, you know. Sure. But this guy comes in, he's got no fear of like the legacy of that is the Montreal Canadiens. And just yep. openly admits to you know to the fans to the to the media that you know not afraid to make a rebuild that takes a yep. lot of courage and it, it takes someone like Especially that I have a lot of yep. exactly you know because it's so it's so heated it's such a 
controversial thing. We're not supposed to have these types of problems. But this yeah. guy comes in and openly admits, sees, sees faults, and is going to try to fix it, which is what I absolutely respect. love about it's what, him. It's what we needed. Yeah, we need we needed someone who's not afraid to, you know, like like it seems like everyone that we ever hire is like buddies with the, the Habs. You don't want to say that he sucks as a person. You know, yeah. you're his friend. This dude's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, uh, I think this I think this team needs to get back on the right direction. Yeah, absolutely they do. And I, I'm actually going to bring this up. That's one thing that I think uh, separates Bergevin and Gordon is that Bergevin, you know, his strength, according to the players, was ultimately his downfall. Mm-hmm. His, uh, you know, him getting too attached to players, which it's it's great. You know, you have to be close to the players. I think that creates like a good organizational vibe, you know, and it's always good to be close to the players. But I think uh, in terms of setting your emotions aside, and just making the right move for the organization, long term, short term, um, mid term, whether like whatever it is, right? I think that's what Gordon's here to do, and I think Carey Price has never had a better chance of being moved. Really? I think I don't think there's ever been a better chance because Bergevin was way too attached to Price. Mm-hmm. I think we all saw it. Like, he, like he he gets Gallagher too. Actually, Gallagher's one. I I I've, I never envisioned Bergevin trading Gallagher and right. I think Gordon would like Gallagher's already said that he wants to win he doesn't want to be part, he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild mm-hmm. which you know if it's we, coming you go to rebuild <laughs> routes it's coming yeah so that's that's something that's that might happen and it's not something that would have happened under the Bergevin regime because Bergevin never would have rebuilt yeah you're coming from a guy that cares that seemed like he cared too much about the legacy of the team and a yeah. guy coming in that's just like, I don't give two shits. I'm here to make a winning team. And yeah, it, it's gonna hurt, you know, it's like ripping a band-aid off. It's gonna fucking hurt. But yeah, I mean it's it's a Evan, you know, but it, but it's, it's supposed to be lead, for the better. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna lead to great things. So um another thing about him is he's not uh he doesn't have he's he's not multilingual, he doesn't have yeah, he's not you know, bilingual. Yeah, yeah, bilingual. Thank you, Jesus. I <laughs> said <laughs> Southern education. No, um, no, you're good, man. But no, you know that's another thing that I really loved about it. It was a guy that we were finally trying someone that was the best out there instead yep. of sticking to traditions. And you know what? I love that he he attempted to speak French. He did just about as good as I would have. For um, sure. But his commitment to saying, you know, he's going to try because he knows that how important it is to the media, to the who francophone cares? fans. Like, yeah, who cares? Cares. but yeah. No, he cares. Like, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. He cares. Yeah. I misunderstood. I'm sorry. But, yeah, no, he cares. He, he cares a lot. Listen, personally, like I, I know French. OK, but like, let's say I was in this position. I'm an American. I don't know French. I would not give two single fucks about it. Like, really, I wouldn't. Because Right. Just hire all, hire a fucking uh yeah, a translator. I wouldn't even be the spokesperson. The GM would anyway. So you know, it's like right. Uh, it's really it, it's way. It's like completely a hundred percent enough that he's learning a bit of French right now. You mm-hmm. know, and I think uh, he should be applauded for that. I hated the questions that were asked by the French media during the presser. Like, right? Are you going to learn French right right after he says I'm going to learn French? Like, bro, if yeah. you if you want him to learn French, you should learn fucking English for once. Like, <laughs> like. <laughs> Oh man. Um, but yeah, you know, just, just little things like that. It makes you realize that like, we've, we've been in like the dark ages, like this guy 
cares about yep. the the important parts of of the Montreal Canadiens, you know, like exactly. He's honored to try to learn a language that's not his, and he's going to try his best to make everyone that needs that to feel comfortable. But he's not afraid to say that this team's shit, and he'll do something about it. Like <laughs> this dude might be like the next coming to Jesus for fucking the future of the Montreal Canadiens. Like honestly, I I hope so. I'm I haven't been this excited I, in a while. I want to see what he does. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak too much on him before mm-hmm. he actually does something because I've seen way too many situations where I've expected a certain something right. based on uh, a person's reputation, what they've done in the past, and where they've come in and been completely awful. Like I'll give you, I'll, I'll actually give you a perfect example. Ducharme, like mm-hmm. when Ducharme was high hired, hopes. I was I was pretty happy. I, I had like pretty high hopes because judging by his uh, coaching past. He was really good with young players. He was uh, he had a structure. He had a good offensive system, uh, as well as de- as well as as a defensive system. And well, look look what's happening right now. He's I'm I might not I'm not even joking right now. He might be the worst coach <laughs> the, the NHL has ever seen. I know Ju- uh, Julian made a an exit after you know uh, having I, I what was that Julian. a heart attack and shit. I'm not gonna lie, yeah, like kind of like, wish we would have just held on not not i'm not just how because look i'm i i love julian compared to ducharme mm-hmm. but julian was still a mediocre coach like he was yeah, good yeah, yeah. i wasn't i wasn't the biggest he, fan he of was, him but i'd rather yeah have a julian-esque team than ducharme he, he was a good defensive coach like he he was defensive minded and it worked you know like the team usually mm-hmm. dominated games you know they would outshoot the opponent they would hold their opponents at bay most of the time and that was Julian's strength, yeah. strength, right? But he would also hold back the younger players. He the offense the offense would dry up really quickly at times, and I don't mm-hmm. think he was that good of a communicator. So I think uh, I think you know if you're hire if you're firing Julian, you should have hired someone better than Ducharme, obviously. In right. hindsight, though. do yeah. you feel like it was more of a rush thing, and it maybe came well, as like e- like an easy pick because of uh, being a francophone and stuff like that? Well, they I just kind of yes. fit the mold. I think yes and no because at the same time they they made him interim coach at first, right? So it wasn't <laughs> okay. He wasn't officially the coach from You're day right. one, but I think they could have. Uh, I, I don't think uh, the search should have stopped there. You know? Yeah. I think like after that, you, you know, keep him interim for like a little bit, see how he does. But like, if the team keeps on sucking, then you know, higher you hold no ties to him. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, but you know, then again, in hindsight, we cannot we cannot obviously say that they made the finals. Which, honest, I, I think very little, can, very little of that should be attributed to Ducharme. I think it's really the players that stepped up, like mm-hmm. and Carey Price. Carey Price has saved a bunch of jobs. Yeah, <laughs> like it's crazy how the one year Carey Price is out, Bergevin and Timmins finally lose their, lose their jobs. Right, right. It's not a coincidence. No, I don't think I don't think it is either. Yeah, let's see. So. Before we get any any further, got uh, about two or three more topics to go over. But uh, before we sure. do that, I have a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Just bear with me, my friend. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. 
If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get it on. You can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot of millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets if they do. You score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only, a minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Michael, we're back. <laughs> All right. Good job there, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so one of the first things we got to see Jeff Gordon do, he picked up the kid off, blanket on his Kale first Clegg. name. Kale Clegg, which, you know, I had talked about. Doesn't Didn't seem like too bad of a pickup. The 23-year-old guy, he's got like, I think, five I think points in like, nine I, games. I think it's low risk, high reward. Exactly. Like, uh, you, like he's 23 years old. He used to be a, a top prospect, like up till very recently. Mm-hmm. And he's an offensive minded defenseman who can quarterback a power play. Like he has more power play points than any, than any of our defensemen this season. So, right. And for that type of a salary on waivers, like, you, like yeah, for it's, it's a, it was a great, back, it was a great yeah. asset to be added again. Uh, I mentioned worst last this workout, you, you didn't pay any assets to get him, right? So it's exactly, I think exactly. it's a smart move. It's a yeah. very riskless shot. You know, yeah, and if he really doesn't pan out here, you send him to Laval and he can help exactly. Uh, you know, the futures come up, but uh, um, yep. Now, you know, I, his first game was against Tampa Bay the other day, he had a bad turnover that led to he a did. goal, if I'm not mistaken. It's was it, Pat yeah, the it Pat, Pat Maroon, Maroon one, it was yeah. <laughs> ugly. Uh, Pat Maroon scoring against us, well, scoring a goal period is uh. It's tough yeah. on your team. Uh, a lot of people on Twitter have yeah, already scrub. just – No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they've already given up on Clay. They're saying he's never going to play again. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, that's not the case. If they don't like him. people watch The Rock play every game, and he makes and five love. times that amount, <laughs> that amount of mistakes, and they still back him up. So mm-hmm. that's fun. But, yeah, keep going. No, no, no. For real, though, uh, Sherrod hasn't – you know, I remember two two seasons ago – I was on the Sherratt train. I thought it was still a, a really good pick. Yeah, I liked him um, in his first season here. Yeah, last season, kind of starting to see it. the, you know, my glasses aren't fogged anymore. You he know, was seeing it last season, like he, yeah. he was him and Weber, like during during the regular season, mm-hmm. were was, so it bad. was tough to watch. It was very yeah. tough to watch. Then but, Weber um, turned it up in the playoffs and carried Sherratt. Like Sherratt was not good in the playoffs. It, like Weber was just really good. Yeah, just elevated his game, which is. What we expect from him. Um, captain. Captain. Yeah. Yeah. Very. He's got to be one of the best captains uh, to date. Not on this I, team. I, just I just in the league. Him. I'm not going to lie to you. I, Looking back, I was too hard on him. Like, mm-hmm. I think just in terms of what he's been able what, what, he, what he's been able to do his entire career is, like, so impressive. I think he's right up there, like, in the, in the conversation for, like, a top 15, maybe even top 10 defenseman of all time. Really, and he didn't, yeah. and somehow he did not win a Norris Trophy, which is mind-boggling mm-hmm. to me, because he should have won at least one. And like his prime in Nashville, like 2010 to 2014, was an unbelievable prime. 
one of the best primes I've ever seen for a defenseman. Like having a guy like that who can't skate, you look at historically, like most defensemen who are like some of the greatest of all time, who like, you know, they would, they were elite skaters, right? Like mm-hmm. Paul Coffey, Bobby Orr, uh, Raymond Bork, but Shea Weber wasn't a good skater, but his, his hockey mind, like his IQ was so fucking good that he became one of the top defensemen. <laughs> No, absolutely. You absolutely. And I think right. that's so impressive and doesn't get talked about enough. No, uh, he really like Nashville owes a lot to that to that dynamic that that was created. And I know that that style of play is kind of leaving the city now. A lot of it was on the back of Weber, and you know, granted, this guy takes you know he he ends up having a lot of injuries and stuff. We're talking about the one you know now that's looking like it might be just you know the end of his career. He's just going to finish it out. Yeah, but, it sucks. Yeah, it, it does suck. But, you know, to be so critical on a guy that, you know, once you see him exit the game and you see how hard it is to play without him, it's, uh, yeah, you know, I, I feel bad for, for really just, like you said, being a little too critical of him, um, yes. knowing what he was capable of. And I think that's what it really came down to is you knew what he was capable of before, and it's just the, the progression and age. And to be he a player that plays man. so physical, yeah. you know, it it is gonna it's gonna wear and tear on your body a lot faster. But um had a I'm not saying he's retiring, but had a tremendous career, you know. Uh, Amazing. really yeah. outplayed what I expected of someone who hit that hard and and was that tough on their own body to last yep. that long. But, he stayed uh, in shape, man. The, like the the conditioning, the, mm-hmm. the nutrition you have to go through consistently throughout the years to, to stay in that height in that kind of shape and take all those like shots to your body those hits like and just stay in shape the entire time is like th- the way he played through the playoffs what with all those injuries right like i'll never forget that that's what he stood for he was a warrior like he was and he'll re- he'll be remembered that way forever mm-hmm. no i think you're absolutely right and you and you know um you always hear like it's one bad injury that stops you from playing because it, if it's, if it's too long of an injury, you're, you're never going to catch up to how fast the game is being played nowadays. And this guy has gone through just about two to three, almost full season injuries, you know, where the next season, the game is that much more evolved and you're that much more behind because you, you, you know, you weren't able to play. And for him to come back that many times and to still be so pre- uh, prevalent to our team uh, just really, really shows just how amazing of a player he was. But yeah. uh, to get to kind of get back into topic, though, uh, finishing up the Jeff Gordon stuff, uh, you know, he had talked he had talked in his, his interview about uh, kind of doing like a piggyback role, a second GM, like you said earlier. Um, we had talked about it for about yeah. two episodes now about possible GMs, uh, futures. Uh, you got any, any guy out there that you're interested in? I know. Um, I've yeah. Th- yeah there's a few up? guys that I'm looking at. Uh, one thing I'm going to say though, is that a lot of the candidates that I have in mind or th- that have been brought up by the media mm-hmm. haven't really had any GM experience. So it's really tough to gauge whether they do a good job. Right. That being said, the one guy I'm really eyeing here, I'm, I'm eyeing two guys, actually. well, three guys. I really like um, Kent Hughes as, as a possibility, you know, the agent, okay. the player agent. I like Matthew Darch and I like Martin Madden Jr. Mm-hmm. 
Now, the first guy you mentioned, I didn't even, uh, we've never even spoke about him on this episode. Well, on this podcast yet. So that, that was, uh, one I was not expecting coming though. Well, one thing, uh, so he's a player agent, obviously he, Mm -hmm. he reps Patrice Bergeron. Okay. Uh, he's, uh, and I don't know much about him, like his hockey mentality, really. There's not much out there about him. I tried doing right. some research. But uh, one thing I do know is that if you look at player agents that turn into GMs, you have guys like uh, Kyle Dubas, Bill Zero, who are, to me, Bill Zero is one of the top three GMs in the league, maybe top two. Might be the best, honestly. And Kyle Dubas is, uh, I think, is very underrated. I think he's built a solid team in Toronto. His teams haven't been successful in the playoffs, but if you look at the team on paper, which is kind of his job to build, he's done a good job. Like you, you can't say he hasn't. Uh, and the last guy is Kevin Adams, who hasn't done great in Buffalo, but you know who has. <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. So I think you know, just based off of that, I think player agents, especially with uh, you know the the analytics that go into being a player agent, right? Like they like analytics are at the forefront of everything these days. When like when a when you're when you're negotiating a deal for your client, you bring that up. So he probably has a very analytical mind. He's probably a, he's probably very hard uh, uh, and very thorough when it comes to contract negotiations, with which is something we need. Mm-hmm. He'll probably be good with the salary cap and trading wise. You know, we have Jeff Gordon to help him, and he's Jeff Gordon's obviously a pretty good uh, trader. Yeah, absolutely, and um, that's one I love. I love. It's really just working into what we've been talking about lately. Uh, you brought up, you know, the fact that the I guess the most popular candidates right now have not really had that much GM uh, experience. And yeah. Jeff Gordon seems like the perfect guy to bring in someone that can be, you know, not just the same, you know, old heads that keep getting recycled. You can bring in someone new that can yeah. learn under Jeff Gordon and then Absolutely. help help have a you know a more a more even split once you kind of get the reins under them. I mean, look, yep. we gave we gave Mark Berger Van nine years, you know, uh, and he didn't have anybody to really hold his hand. At least Jeff Gordon can help mold into the type yep. of GM Jeff Gordon wants. And um, for sure, I, I think Dar should be a good candidate. We talk a I lot think, about. Yeah. Uh, Matt Martin Jr. Though uh, his yeah, his Martin time Martin, in bro. Mark Madden, dude, I, I will fuck that name up every time. No, but uh, his time with Anaheim has been unreal. Uh, we talked about his it. drafting. He's been like the exactly the, the guy leading their drafting there, and it's been insane for them. Mm-hmm. I think they have the most. Uh, uh, I think they have the like among the most success in the league since like uh, 2010 drafting wise. Yeah, and you look at the resume. He's he's drafted some really good players in later rounds. Mm-hmm. He's drafted. He's he's always drafted well in the top ten. I mean, look at his recent pick in the top ten, Trevor Zegers, who made. By the way, that pass he made yesterday, unreal. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not even joking when I say this. It might be the most the single most impressive pass I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> What's awesome is uh, seen, like I've, I've is never seen it either. And the kid, I, the kid's unreal. He he only does. I've been on his bandwagon for a while, right? But I didn't expect him to be this good in the NHL, like this quick. Like he's, he's making he's the all... Anaheim the Anaheim games like watchable at this point. Like I just want to like watch Pavel for him. Datsuk. He looks like Pavel Datsyuk, and Pavel exactly. Datsyuk to me is one of the most underrated players. I have Pavel Datsyuk top ten all time. Just to okay. give you an idea. Nice. I, I think you know just in terms of his like 
his skill, obviously, but his two-way ability. I think he's one of the best players to ever play the game. And I, I, I'm not going to say Trevor Zegers has that kind of ceiling because we haven't seen a defense out of him. But offensively, oh, my God, he has no ceiling. He can be as good as he wants to. Right. Yeah, it's it's like watching uh, like an NHL, like the game. Um, it, it's yeah. awesome that you brought up that, too, because um, they, they showed a comparison. Apparently, you know, I've never heard of this. Uh, I've never seen anything like this. And Pavel Datsu tried this like yeah. two two decades ago and was he you did. know unsuccessful. But it's but I love the comparison though. He's playing yeah. Pavel Datsu like Pat like Zegers could run exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, he's been unreal, and I'd love you know you're you're looking at that, and I mean that team's also got um, like Jamie Drysdale on it. You know, uh, yeah. They drafted McTavish like third or second overall, I think. Mm-hmm. That's you no know, third overall. I think at the time it looked like a reach. Now it looks really good. Uh, they've got Maxime Contois, uh, Isaac Lundstrom, Braden Tracy. They've got Troy Terry, who's been on that on an absolute tear this year. Yeah. Uh, no, Anaheim's future looks really bright right now. Yeah, and that's why. Uh... <laughs> That's why I've I've joined the Matt Martin train. Um, yeah, you know that's you can bring one players thing. like that to Montreal. I'm all for it. Exactly, and uh, one thing that me and Mason had been speaking about is is the people that we bring in need to have a great uh, background in in drafting. And yep. Jeff Gordon has it was was pretty fantastic. I think if we bring in like uh like Matt Martin Jr., I think. Uh, I think we have a really good shot at bringing in some high quality talent and then being able yep. to keep them and develop them and be the futures and not just be moved around for older guys that are just filling in roles for a while. Like we've been I doing for a honestly, while. It's important to just get someone who can compliment Gordon. So mm-hmm. I think Gordon, one of the things that I can be critical, critical of him uh, is uh, his contract negotiations. If you look at some of the deals he signed for New, for New York, they're kind of iffy. I feel like the Truba deal, for example, doesn't look good at all. Uh, the Kreider deal. I mean, look, I hate Chris Kreider. He's, you know, I'll admit he's a good player, but yeah. <laughs> it's like seven years, six point five million for a guy who you you didn't even need. Like you have Lafreniere right there, you know, like mm-hmm. as a left winger. I think that contract's going to age horribly at some points. Uh, I think Panarin superstar right now, and I think worth the money right now. But is that really going to look good? Soon. No, that's a unfortunately. If that team wants to continue on the stretch that they're running right now, that yep. that trade has to be well. That signing needs to be traded sooner or later. Um, then again, he built he built this team like the Rangers, and look at them mm-hmm. right now. They're one of the best teams in the league, and that's with Chris Jury being an absolute idiot and trading uh, and, and making stupid decisions during the offseason. So they could have been even better. Like they traded Pavel Buchnevich for peanuts, who. Buchnevich is an excellent top six player. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think if uh, Jeff Gordon had been the one to oversee the operations this offseason for the Rangers, they'd be even better right now. A cup no. contender, actually, maybe. I think you're right. He's been he's been uh, pretty terrific with them. For sure. I just hope that some of that, you know, Whatever he whatever he brought to that team, he's he's able to bring it over here because uh, we're yeah. definitely in some in some need of, of a wake up call. And I think Jeff Gordon is just stern enough 
and just English speaking enough to not take the Montrealness so serious and actually do something that would make a normal Montreal fan, like a diehard yeah, fan, and, uncomfortable. And, and, and there's a lot less pressure on him than there was on Bergevin because, mm-hmm. you know, like if you look at it, he's never going to have to be the one to go out and speak to the media, which obviously takes out a lot of pressure in itself. But right. also he's like, he doesn't, like Bergevin, he's Quebecer, you know, he grew up, Mm-hmm. in Quebec he understands like the market right Gordon he's not really he never he didn't grow up grow up in that type of atmosphere he doesn't like he understands it but he doesn't fully understand it, if you get what I mean like he doesn't yeah, absolutely he wasn't a part of it right so I think that in itself is gonna you know make him feel less pressure you know when he when he's making moves and everything mm-hmm. uh and yeah it's my thoughts yeah awesome well Mike man it's been an absolute pleasure having you on again yeah, um, I think Glad we tackled some some great on. some great discussions so far tonight. But uh, yeah. man, I think it's about it. Um, yeah, you worked an entire shift, and then uh, was nice yeah. enough to come hop on with us. But uh, you know, we're about to roll out. But if there's anything you want to say, uh, promote your podcast, anything like that, the floor is yours, buddy. I mean, listen, follow me at Coffee Tops too. I tweet some funny shit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's most of the time, if I'm being honest. You got a great. You got a great Twitter uh, vibe. Yeah, <laughs> it's, if you a, hate, it's a fun follow. If you also hate uh, Ducharme and Ben Sherat, I'm I'm a good I'm a good follow. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, Michael. Well, man, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Been a pleasure um, being on, man. You know, it's always welcoming to have you on. You'll probably won't be the last you ever heard of him. But folks, unfortunately, this has been Habs Nightly. I want you guys to have a great weekend we were, unfortunately fortunately this has been Habs nightly <laughs> fortunately okay i'll yeah. change it up for you michael fortunately this has been Habs nightly thank y'all so much for listening please give us a follow at Habs nightly and bayou benders on twitter i hope you guys have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you guys again soon you're listening to the hockey podcast network new shows every day Find us at the hockey podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from.